In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ash Wednesday is a pretty intense day. Call a spade a spade. The act of receiving ashes on our foreheads communicates nothing less to us than the reality of our death. I say this every year. In imposing ashes, the church is, in essence, putting your funeral on your forehead as it tells you in no uncertain terms, remember that you are going to die. This is the way that our journey to Easter begins, in the ashes of the curse of God upon Adam and Eve. And it is from here that we will journey with Christ out into the wilderness to be tempted, and from there take the road with him up to Jerusalem in the solemn celebration of Holy Week. All of this must occur before Easter. All of this must occur if we are going to experience the joys of the resurrection, simply because this is what our Lord did. His suffering preceded his glory. And the fact that we begin this journey in the ashes of the reality of our death is not intended to be morbid. While it's true that some religious people among us simply like the dramatic, we don't dwell on death for its own sake. The church asks us to bring out into the light the fear that everyone has in the dark, that is, the fear of death. So much of our lives are lived in the reality of trying to avoid death or anxiously responding to the impending reality of death. So the church says, hey, this is reality. It does no good to try and live your life distracting yourself from this basic fact. So let's together confront this and not run away from it. And in so confronting the reality of our death, the intention is that we would confront the reality of our life. Changing the way we view death changes the way we view life. Hence this journey of Lent, a road of penance in which we reorient ourselves around that which is most good, around God and his kingdom. We fast, following the commandment of our Lord in Matthew 6 from our gospel lesson this evening. There Jesus says not, if ye fast, but when ye fast. Jesus also says in Matthew and in Luke, But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. That is, fasting is clearly commanded by our Lord. We do this so that we might, as he says in our gospel, stop laying up for ourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, so that we might rather lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think that it would be helpful at this point to give a brief review of the Lenten rule of the church, or maybe you're just hearing it for the first time. So during this season, the church calls us to three things, fasting slash abstinence, almsgiving, and prayer. Traditionally understood, fasting refers not to giving something up, but rather to eating less food. 
Traditionally, this has looked like eating one meal a day and then perhaps, and this was added on a little bit later, eating additionally two small collations or snacks. But those two snacks could not add up to the same amount of food as another meal. Technically, every day during Lent except for Sundays is a day of this sort of fasting. The point is, you should be a little hungry during Lent. Abstinence then refers to, like it sounds, abstaining from certain things. Again, traditionally understood as abstaining from certain kinds of food, primarily meat. But it seems to me that today, colloquially within the church, what we typically mean when we talk about fasting, we're actually talking about abstinence. That is, things that we are going to abstain from during Lent. And it's good to think about this outside of just food, so maybe some sort of media abstinence, for example. And the final thing is almsgiving, which refers to giving to the church and giving to the poor, trying to learn what it means to not give merely out of our abundance, as our Lord teaches in Luke, with the poor widow who gave all that she had her whole livelihood. So with that in mind, I'd say the underlying question to ask yourself during Lent, that is, I just went over the external, but the underlying, the internal, is this question to ask yourself, what is it that your heart wants? Our Lord makes it clear, you can either try to acquire earthly treasure or heavenly treasure, and these are mutually exclusive. There are many things that are vying for our hearts, vying for that central place, that place that Christ refuses to share. And fasting and abstinence and almsgiving simply puts these things in check. It puts our tendency to place our security and our confidence in material goods and bodily desires in check as we voluntarily remove them from our lives. And something then inevitably happens when we remove these things, and that is we get anxious. This is normal and to be expected, and actually a good sign that you are on the right path with your, with your fasting and abstinences. If it's easy and doesn't produce this anxiety, perhaps you haven't chosen or you haven't picked the right thing to abstain from. Because here in this anxiety and discomfort, the church asks us to sit. So just sit with it. Learn how to be present with it and to even tolerate it, that feeling of being uncomfortable. Because here in something happens, a door is open to us, a spotlight shines in. This happens when we ask ourselves the question of why. Why is it that it hurts? Why does not having this thing make me feel so anxious? Well, like, what's my relationship with this thing really? Am I free to do it? Or am I enslaved to it? Have I given a place in my heart to this thing that belongs properly to God? Also, what is it that I'm trying to cope with or distract myself from with this particular thing? What am I avoiding in my soul? What do I need to confront inside with God? So we fast, abstain, and give alms. 
we then sit with our anxiety and we wrestle through these sorts of questions and bring them to God in prayer, which is the third thing asked of us during Lent. So this is the journey and this is the ultimate end or purpose of our penances, that we might increase our prayer, increase our communion with God, and this is how that journey, this is how that path takes place. Fasting, abstinence, all almsgiving, these penances hurt because one, we find out that perhaps we really do love these things too much. We divide our love and try to split or share this central place in our hearts between our material and bodily desires and God. And two, our penances hurt because there's pain underneath that you've just been trying to distract yourself from or cope with. And when these things are removed, it's brought out into the light and that's not a pleasant process. But this fear, this pain is necessary for our growth. We will never grow if we continually distract ourselves from what is actually going on. And there is also another sense in which we fast and abstain and do our penances that's less spoken of, but significant nonetheless. To put it simply, we do this in mourning. We mourn the loss of our Lord on Good Friday. And we also recognize the ways in which we are complicit in his death. It was our sins that sent him to that dreadful tree. This is not to weigh ourselves down with a paralyzing burden of guilt, but rather to simply recognize the truth, to, in an appropriate way, face the reality of what we have done and own up to that. This is what the Ash Wednesday Collect prayed daily in this season calls us to, to worthily lament our sins and acknowledge our wretchedness. So with all that in mind, I pray that God would give us grace to keep a holy Lent this year. And so to just get very practical here about it, here's what I think you should do. And you can do this on your phone, that's fine. But maybe just get out a piece of pen or excuse me, a piece of paper and a pen and then write at the top my Lenten rule. And then fill out that piece of paper with what you're going to do during Lent. You should write, I will attend Mass every Sunday. I will fast in this way. I will abstain in this way. I will give alms in this way. And I will pray in this way. And then finally, with all of that, you should write something like this. I'm going to take my experience this Lent and all of what's been revealed to me, all that I've learned during this process, and I'm going to bring that into Holy Week and make a good, sincere, and honest confession. And that will be the way that I enter into the celebration of Easter this year. You should write that all down on your piece of paper, and then just go and do it. Will it be hard? Absolutely. But it's supposed to be hard, don't worry. And don't worry about failing at your Lenten disciplines. You most certainly will. Simply get back up, learn from it, resume your disciplines, and keep moving forward. 
The point is not to get a perfect score. That's really important. The point is not to be able to get to the end of Lent and look back and say, I never failed. It's not about how well you perform. It's about your growth. And even in our failures, perhaps especially in our failures, we can grow. And finally, and I say this every year, but I think we need this reminder as we begin Lent. And that is, beware of spiritual pride. Conduct your Lenten observances and don't tell anyone else about it. Keep it a secret. Those who conduct their spiritual life in such a way that everyone else can see it, those who conduct their spiritual life so that everyone else can look and see what they have done, according to our Lord, they already have their reward. Rather, do all of these things in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, will reward you openly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.